0: Welcome to Louder Than Words, the podcast that's about ideas that improve lives. Hello, I'm Jules Pretty. In this episode, we're talking about why we work, the future of work, the profound impact of a pandemic, particularly on the performance sector, how the workplace has come to mean something new and how it looks different when we're thinking about performance and how age-old norms have changed and what this means for us all. So it's a great pleasure to welcome our guests today, Melissa Tyler and Phil Hancock of the Essex Business School and Tom Carradine, founder of Carradine's Cockney Along, musical director at Brick Lane Music Hall in London and recipient of an award from the British Music Hall Society for keeping the spirit of music hall alive, which is a lovely description of what work might mean and sh- perhaps should mean. So let's start the conversation like this with a couple of quotes uh, chapter 33 of the Tao Te Ching translated by poet Gary Snyder said the best things in life are not things suggesting that we might be seeking other stuff in life um, from our work and more recently Mary Oliver another wonderful American poet wrote a poem called instructions for living a life and she said pay attention be astonished tell about it So could we just start with some thoughts about how this thing called work is changing and can we be astonished about it in the thing called the workplace? Um, Melissa, would you like to start?
1: Yeah, I think something that is really important about successive crises, whether they're wars or pandemics or whatever, is they encourage us to think about what's actually really important and what is the core of what we do. And actually the word crisis, I think I'm writing saying, comes from the Latin um, to sort, so it's to sift something. So we sift out what's not important to us and hopefully we remain astonished about what actually does matter to us. And that's encouraged us to really think about what work means and what it might mean in the future, how work might be more sustainable, more accessible for everyone, more uh, just, more more equal in the future. So we're thinking very carefully and very critically and reflexively now about what m- work means to us and what it might be in the future.
2: At the same time, of course, we have to accept that for many people, the current of the recent pandemic and the, 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 the conditions that have emerged from it have challenged their ability to earn a living. And I think that's equally important as well. So people are now, on one hand, starting to question what it is to work and what value and what enjoyment and what, what you know sense of self-development self they can achieve from work. At the same time, equally concerned with how can I make a living? And I think those two things have come into an interesting tension for a lot of people.
0: And Tom, you're as a musician and performer and uh, director of performance. And um, what what are your observations about about these aspects of the thing called work from your side? It's very tricky, George. You make a very good point in those quotes at the beginning
3: about um, this weird. Certainly, as a as a musician and a performer, about the the work for me being a, 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 it, for me. I did a biochemistry degree a long time ago, so actually, th- my career came out of a hobby I had. Um, and thankfully, I've pinched myself that I've made a made a full-time career from it from graduation, basically. So there is there is a weird kind of um, crossover where work and, and pleasure and hobbies and all of especially for for the music that I perform, which is um, uh, vintage music and music from the music hall and the wartime and and. Uh, th- uh, um, 150 years worth of music it that crosses over this, this these kind of boundaries of of the music that I enjoy and I enjoy sharing. So yeah, it's tricky. And that's one of the things that the, the pandemic showed was the fact that um, this weird kind of crossover section of, of where does work finish? Where does my my real life and the fun kind of balance? Um, and obviously coming out of this and kind of recreating a, a, a career and work out after the pandemic, um, yeah, it's been interesting how we finding my feet again to try and find that and and kind of put the work life balance back into
0: back into position. Very interesting. Yes, well, well, let's come specifically then to the project. So, Melissa and Phil, you've been uh, conducting this project, uh, looking at live performance, COVID and the last two years, with equity and with theatre organisations and with performers such as Tom. Um, uh, we we know live performance came to a halt. Uh, what happened behind the curtains, as it were? What what would you say were the the key kind of things that you learnt from the way that people had suddenly to change what they were doing?
1: Well, I think it's important to say that many of us. Um only really survived successive lockdowns because we had access to the kind of live streamed entertainment and other kinds of live events uh, that people like Tom were providing. They enabled us to kind of keep a point of connection, a sense of community, as you referred to earlier with the award that that Tom um, received. And when the pandemic hit, um, I think, well, well, two important things, unlike other sectors, Um, like health, education, social care, um, that that COVID had a significant impact on, the creative industries were were particularly hard hit because such a large number of people are self-employed or freelance workers. Um, So I think the figure for the creative industries is something like 80% compared to about 20% in the workforce as a whole. So almost overnight, their access to paid uh, work was cut off. Mm -hmm. So the effect was was really significant. Um, And uh, I think partly that meant that people were really concerned about their future and pre pandemic inequalities were really accentuated. Um, So there was almost a kind of crisis within a crisis in in what are the eponymous gig economies. But at the same time, people like Tom and so many others that we've spoken to, um, started to think about ways in which they could perform differently by live streaming um, and, and by um, sharing their work in other ways. So we've been doing a series of interviews with people um, who have adapted their ways of performing uh, online.
2: And it, <clears throat> yes, and certainly what was interesting was that while this the, the pandemic was a, was a very real and severe shock to this sort of element of the workforce, a lot of them were, were quite well positioned, we found, because they'd been operating in what is a precarious employment market anyway. <clears throat> and to be a performer of course is not simply to perform for most of our for most of the people we spoke to being self-employed and freelance it was also a job that required self-marketing you know financial management all those sort of things and those were skills that they could take over and build you know utilize to build a, a presence online so many of them of course were very adept for example at using social media as a, as a way of ensuring that they had a profile in the marketplace so it was interesting that Certainly not for all of them, but for a significant number, they could actually harness and and leverage the skills that they developed as performers prior to the pandemic.
0: So interestingly, the work, the the managing the work becomes a kind of performance in itself. In itself, yes. Because you're having to do all of these other Mm -hmm. kinds of things and do it super fast and quickly, Mm -hmm. learn new skills to Mm -hmm. make yourself um, at least kind of known and marketable um, so that people come to you. And Tom, you were saying um the the boundaries between the thing called work and the thing called performance have to blur when that's happening i mean i've used the, the let's peek behind the curtains but actually when you're sitting at home you're not on the stage <laughs> you're
3: absolutely the audience that, is somewhere what, else yeah but actually that, that kind of brings up two things what, what one of the interesting things of course was with having all of my all of my in person live gigs just evaporate overnight um this feeling of um yeah, uh, this this the, the kind of work life balance blurring and performing from home. The uh, many of these performers that um, uh, Phil and Melissa have spoken to, and um, of course we were broadcasting from home. We were inviting people into our homes, and um, many of us that weren't kind of ready for that. And um, uh, uh, for me, my my live streaming, my weekly live streaming that I did for. 60 odd weeks during um from from kind of march 2020 um i started out it was complete fluke i, I had a weekly residency in a pub in covent garden which i cancelled actually it was the week before the first lockdown and um, because i came down with what i thought was COVID, i had i had a cough and I had a, a temperature um which thankfully it didn't prove to be COVID. but so i was self-isolating so in with with nothing to do on my regular weekly thursday i decided i'd go live so i literally went live on my phone in my study. Um, the quality was terrible. The the, the aesthetic of my very um, very kind of modern study just wasn't right for what I do. Um, but then it gradually built from there. Um, but again the, the this kind of crossing of, of, of the work life kind of uh, balance it was tricky because of my my wife's a civil servant she was working from home um i had uh a, 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 at the time 8 year old son um at home um uh, and yeah just kind of not only br- bringing my 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 outside work and stuff home which i'd never really done before i'd always gone out to gig i'd always gone out to perform to try and, try and balance that with with real life during the during the lockdowns brought about its own own kind of trickiness i suppose um, um, and also we had building work being done on our house at the same time so i mean i think i went between like four different locations around the house um but the uh, the amazing things that that the pandemic brought about with that was as melissa says that, that the, the the creativity that it had to that I we had to do to to keep performing, and but equally it made me it gave me the ability to connect with many many um, I call them fans now I suppose m- and people who who kind of followed my work over the years but perhaps lived around the world and when I was live streaming weekly they could join in they could feel connected once more whereas they might have seen me perform once in London perhaps a few years ago, um, but yeah they were back watching me live every week. Um, buying my cds buying my merchandise that at their request i created so yeah it's been a bizarre roller coaster over the last couple of years um well that's and, very uh, interesting
0: i, I uh, what you've described though i think is is fascinating this sense of agency that that you've taken on and and bec- i would suggest partly because you're in that kind of creative industry if we would use that already that you have to have Um, agency and confidence to perform, to get in front of people and possibly fail um, or or to try stuff just as you described on the phone, which you know is not much good, but you're going to give it a go anyway. And that kind of performance um, uh, uh, needs agency. Uh, In the workplace, not everybody has that in, in other forms of workplace. And yet if we're given that kind of offering of control in the thing called home where we're doing work does that open up that open up or blur or create interesting questions about the future and the nature of work itself i mean what what are your thoughts phil well i mean
2: it, it opens up an interesting question that we you know we, we could extrapolate you know extrapolate out from tom's experience and those are some of our performers that we've spoken to and you talk about agency of course agency to know that we we have agency we require some form of feedback some sort of intersubjective um, uh, sort of, you know, reinforcement of that, and of course, what a lot of these performers were finding that was very difficult at first was the was the sudden lack of that that feedback, that immediacy, that, that interactive dimension. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, one of my, one of my one of, uh, one of my in, most interesting interviews was a comedian who said, you I, I never thought about this before, and, and Tom may disagree, but he said, you know, comedy is the only art form that requires a physical response. You know, he said, People may dance, they may clap, they may cheer, but it's not necessary. Comedy to work requires a physical response. And he said, I lost that completely.
0: Yeah. Um, More than a chortle, more than the kind of wry smile. Yeah. Yeah. something physical i mean mm. i
2: mean there have been some ways that's been mediated through the technology on zoom and facebook using you know various emoticons and and, and those kinds of gestures but generally speaking that was lost um, and that are, uh, raises interesting questions about work how performance or how um, the appropriateness of what one is doing can then be measured and adjudged in ways that aren't overly disciplinary or overly based on surveillance but you know the everyday acknowledgement between an employee and their line manager or their colleagues who just say well done that's great thank you you know that sort of immediacy is lost so I think that, that raises a very interesting question in terms of you know you know, how do I judge that I may have agency, but is it the right agency, so to speak? And is
0: someone letting letting me do that, as it were, or encouraging that or giving at least some feedback. Mm, in
2: that. Absolutely.
0: Well, Melissa, you've done a lot of work on kind of gender relations in in the workplace, in the thing called the workplace, which we're teasing apart here. Um, how have things been for women and men uh, during these sorts of transitions? Is there, has the experience been different or Um, Are we largely experiencing that in a similar way? As Tom was just describing, you know, in the thing called home, we've got multiple people working in very different ways and looking after the children as well and having to do all of those other kinds of things in the same similar kind of space. It's been different, hasn't it, I guess?
1: I, I think, as you'd expect, the experience of working from home, the changing nature and meaning of work, Um, has been shaped by gender, race, class differences and and lots of other factors around our our sort of life circumstances. So... Just for example, in terms of the performers that we've been speaking to, on the one hand, performing from home in the way that Tom does. I mean, Tom's a, a working parent himself, but it, as he su- suggested, it requires dedicated equipment, space, time to develop the skills and so on that's needed. And, and, and that those opportunities aren't equally shared by everybody. Um, but on the other hand, another way of thinking about that, we've done lots of interviews with people who, as working parents or carers, um, have said that they have found things much easier. They found access to work Um, has changed for the better in in a number of ways. So just to give you an example, I interviewed a working uh, mother. She's well known in her field as a performer. And while her daughter was at school, she was able to perform in a a New York breakfast comedy club and then go and pick her daughter up on the school run. Um, She said, I'd never be able to hop over to New York for a gig. Um, uh, Also, I interviewed um, a a couple of performers who did a a kind of comedy double act together. One of them had been live in a comedy club. The other one, the uh, the mother had been uh, on a screen in the background, live in the comedy club with her newborn twins on her lap while she was performing. So these are phenomenal changes and they open up possibilities for us. I think the key thing is to make these um, sustainable in a, a sort of financial sense for people so that they can, can earn a fair fair living from them.
0: Absolutely. So uh, new opportunities have opened up. Some things have closed down the, the, the nature of life performance in, in of itself and live work um, uh, and then in that space as you were describing new things start to happen people start to do different th- things differently and it does strike me that, that the conversation that suggests that work will either go back in the previous box or you know some businesses saying well everyone must come into the thing called work and in another place they're saying something completely different it's missing this element of Creativity about the thing called work, which I think is interesting. I mean, we're in the we're talking about the creative industries in general, but but using that as a mirror to say, well, let's just do different th- things differently. If I want to work, why shouldn't I have my my twins on my knee? And you say, I just can't think of a reason why not. It's a very good idea. Uh, Tom, what 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 thoughts do you have about how this has changed? Uh, people you know in the in the industry and how that's kind of played out the upside as well as the the downside i think it's been great it's uh, certainly certainly
3: for me it was the, it came at the right time actually for basically <laughs> i wouldn't want to go through it again but to have my kind of whole life thrown upside down but actually in coming back to work now it's interesting some some projects and some gigs that i work on have just kind of gone back to normal um, some of my live performance, kind of regular performances I'm back doing. Um, some of them slightly different through the kind of tail end of the restrictions and things. And especially with what I do with sing along, the the limiting of being able to sing along indoors, rules and regulations about that. But I, per- I performed at Wilton's Music Hall um, recently, um, both under the restrictions and without. So, yeah, things are kind of getting back to normal on that front. But then again, I, the work that I do at Brick Lane Music Hall... Actually, I've I've taken a kind of step back there. I kind of reassessed my reassessed my position there and and my my work-life balance and where I wanted work to go. And actually, I'm, I'm working as musical supervisor there now. So although they have a, a, a team on site, they have a musical director and a keyboard player and a, and a drummer on site for the shows, the live performances that have resumed there after Christmas, um, the great thing about the wonderful technology that we've come to, to use is the fact that I now can do the scheduling and the orchestral arrangements or even do rehearsals over zoom i don't have to or keyboard programming and um, we have the key, the keyboard in the in the orchestra pit there the the second keys player plays uh, it's like a piano but but he could be playing bass guitar with one hand and the right hand could be playing strings and woodwind I can program that all from home I can sit at home at my computer when they were rehearsing for the pantomime just after Christmas um, I was sitting at home on my computer doing arrangements I could patch into the rehearsals to have a chat with the musical director oh can we try this song down a key can we and I could within 30 seconds or a minute I could have produced that that music and sent it across popped it in a Dropbox. um i mean it's a completely new way of working but it's been a great um it's been a great benefit and and the fact that i mean we're still we're still limited for kind of zoom rehearsals because of latency because of lag on zoom but there's so much creativity that can be done and work wise that can be done through this um, and equally as, as hybrid working, I've been live streaming regularly for the last year, actually, for a for a, uh, a healthy ageing platform um, uh, it's called Goldster. We do, they do, um, it's a, a kind of classes, weekly classes, and I do a sing-along class every week for them. But that's a, a regular thing in my diary now, doing an hour-long live stream sing-along on a Tuesday, which a few years ago would have been a complete it wasn't even a thing and now it is Um, and it's lovely to know that that yeah and equally performers like myself who have other sidelines be that they teach pilates or or massage or um uh, kind of mental health or kind of things like they can they can kind of use those extra skills to kind of teach or coach on those kind of platforms um whereas a couple of years ago we had
0: no idea what zoom was yeah and it does strike me that we're we're seeing Seeing kind of ratchets that, that we're seeing changes that are not going back because you've described learning that you've done as a performer with others, but there's also learning from um, uh, audience, from participants, from people who are watching. They know how to do that now, they know how to log on. Two years ago, we wouldn't, most of us, have had an idea. And certainly within educational institutions like ours, it was super hard to even think about trying to get people to do stuff online. Now suddenly it's, it's there and becomes part of the toolbox yeah. for how we're changing. Yeah. So it, it, it's for us as well as, as it were, recipients of the discussion or the performance. Melissa.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Tom absolutely summed things up there when he said that, that, that hybrid working is something that we're, we're now all used to. We can see that it has some limitations and some challenges, but we're now quite skilled and adept at finding ways to work around those challenges. I don't think there'll ever be a substitute for live, whether it's in a performance venue or a lecture hall. Um, but certainly over the last couple of years, I've learned so much from people like Tom um, so whether you're a lecturer or a, a live performer, or an entertainer, you're 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 trying to engage people, and you're trying to get that kind of recognition that Philip was talking about earlier, and and we have learned so much from our students as well um, about ways to engage, and I think just going back to that point that Philip was making earlier about agency. Um, Something that I've picked up on, I think, from our research and from speaking to people like Tom and, and our colleagues in the university is that working online requires an investment of a kind of digital emotional labour. You're constantly working with the technology, looking for people's responses, finding ways to keep people engaged, especially if you're hybrid working Um but I've been so really a bit more struck. pressure. I mean,
0: there's almost a little bit more tension and pressure. Absolutely. there's extra work involved in that. Oh,
1: a- absolutely. But I think we're all learning new skills and finding new ways to engage. And something I've been really struck by, particularly in the interviews that we've done with performers, is, is the way in which that digital emotional labour is becoming collaborative or collective. So I've seen so much skill sharing, people sharing materials, sharing skills. I know Tom and other performers are kind of doing workshops where they're sharing what they've learnt with other people. So there's a there's a, a new ethos emerging from it as well, which I think is quite encouraging. Yeah,
0: super interesting. To, to, I mean, we've 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 it, that, that hits upon something that early in the the pandemic there was a real sense of kind of community of support for others, of of, of support for those at the front line of of, of um, providing medical support and help sense of community the sense of what was lost also made it sharper what what we wanted so if we are seeing a slightly different ethos emerging less competitive more collaborative um, uh, less about the individual less about kind of selfishness and more about cooperation maybe that begins to change what we're thinking about in that thing called the economy
2: i think that's very possible um i mean i think Certainly from my own experience through, through the, re, the interviews I undertook, there were real shining examples of this level of collaboration. But there was also competition. I don't think we should be blind to the fact. that That's absolutely, it's still a competitive marketplace, particularly when we talk about the entertainment sector. Um... We talk about the economy, though. I mean, I, I don't want to get too carried away with this. I mean, we, we also have to think about the fact, you know, there's, there's a material dimension to this. There is an inequity in access to the kind of facilities that enable this kind of delivery, for example. So I'm sure Tom, well, Tom mentioned at the beginning he was using his phone. To the best of my knowledge, he's still using his phone in order to undertake these live streams because, you know, the Internet access where he's based, is not as good as it might be, say, in the centre of a major city. Um, I spoke, to, I interviewed many, many performers who would love to have been involved in developing this kind of hybrid develop, um, delivery, but lived in rural areas, so that there's a material infrastructure there. And there's also the financial aspect, and we can't deny that, you know, still even within this uh, perhaps a, a brave new world of hybrid delivery, there, it is still a highly precarious industry. Um, and we've spoken to a lot of people who, who would make a case, for example, for the idea of a, of, a, of, a, of a minimum income, a basic minimum income, that would allow performers not only to, to, to be creative, to, to be um, you know, in, innovative in, in relation to their, to their mode of delivery, but you know, would, have, would have that existential and material safety net. In order to undertake that, so I think I think we can 't ignore that side of things absolutely
0: yeah, and uh, if so if we 're thinking about the, the the nature of work and what it might look like in the future could we could we speculate a bit about how thinking about the creative industries in this way can help us rethink the nature of work can we can we take some of that creative nature, noting the the material limits, as you've rightly said, the gender disparities, the race disparities uh, within within and across the workplace, the 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 strongly existing um sense of 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 well more than just competition, but but you know the neoliberal competitive economy is partly successful because you can knock down other people, not just promote yourself. So did we 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 know that's all there, but it would be very nice to think that we could take some of these um, lessons that we're picking up from the creative industry and apply them elsewhere. So let, let's ask Tom to speculate. Tom, sitting where you are within the industry, do you see within the creative – perhaps using the term industry is completely wrong here – creative sector – creative kind of it's prof- an industry we're, we're we're working
3: we're we're creating laughter we're creating fun we're creating um uh, memorable memorable evenings for people that's what we
0: do that's what we're in the business for And do you think um, it's a, have you seen changes in in the way that people um talk about what you're doing but also then talk about what they're doing you know if they're sitting in another kind of job context they're saying well i'm glad you're doing this because i'm still getting the 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 Um, the fun the engagement what the sorts of things that we get from from being in the audience and participants in that kind of way but of course those people are doing something different in their lives as well um I don't know. I've, uh, personally, that's not not, a kind of, not kind of
3: sectors that I that I speak to a lot. I suppose so. Maybe that's questions for for uh, Philip and Melissa. But certainly going forward, I think if there's anything that the, the the workplace in in a broader sense of the term can kind of take from what we've done is that is that willingness to try something, to be creative, to think outside the box. To we've created as performers or some of i mean there are many performers that haven't live streamed or haven't because what they do either doesn't work online or as philip says they they have issues with internet access or as melissa says it's it's an economic thing or it's a um and i mean who would have thought that uh, the uh, doing a live stream sing along i mean what i do is relies not what you would expect on an audience me reacting to an audience singing along but but it shows that actually my my act in the live streaming sense has changed slightly um the the energy I bring to it is different and the way that I interact with the with the uh with the audience watching is different because i don't have that immediacy so that kind of those kind of take homes for for industry in general i suppose the willingness to do something different to to try stuff out to try this kind of hybrid way of working um and See what works and what doesn't, um, in the same way that yeah, we just kind of, as creatives, we 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 found that we need well, we needed to keep working. We couldn't I couldn't have paid the mortgage if I hadn't. So um, just that, yeah, willingness to try something different and and go with the flow. I mean, the, what I was producing when I started out two years ago is vastly different to the to the kind of I'd like to think slightly more polished product that I'm performing now. Um, but yeah, it's a learning curve and it will be going forward as we kind of come out of the pandemic and create this new work-life balance or this new kind of hybrid way of working.
0: It's very interesting that when we look at big trends to work, we 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 quite often do frame those as, as kind of problem situations to overcome. When we're thinking about retirement ages stretching away, people working longer in life, um, the inequality growing within within work as you've as you both alluded to um, the gig economy multiple jobs in order to survive um, and yet at the same time discussions about about a four day week in Iceland Belgium and UAE which I suppose can afford such a thing uh, but that even just to to talk seriously about being paid the same amount to do four days of work rather than five um starts to change how we think about Work, and we're still calling it work-life balance, which I think is we need a need some new terminology perhaps here for even thinking about what you know one's work and one's life, and it's kind of hmm, as 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 you said, Tom, you know the the boundaries are being blurred, but might we think therefore about about work differently for older people, for example, who are going to be working much longer in life?
2: I, mean, I think one of the starting point here, and I think this is something that that Tom touched upon when he talked about creating. You know, uh, there's a lot of talk about you know non-material, immaterial labour that creates effect. Actually, starting first of all to value more in our society the creation of effect, of joy, of laughter, of of ideas. Of I think I think you know it, it's well known. I oh, it's well well agreed that often. You know, the, the creation of ideas, for example, in the academy, in the arts, in the humanities, is seen as somehow lesser than the, the, the production of material products and resources. Factory stuff. Factory stuff, which yep. is, you know, still vitally important. Mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't want in any way to, to, to you know, to, to, to belittle or, or, you know, or, or see that as somehow less important. Now, I'm not trying, I'm trying to see a balance here that we see the production of, as I say, you know, a social and civic you know, culture as something important again. So I think that's very... And providing recognition for the fact that work does take different forms. I mean, a little bit provocatively, but, you know, there has been debates around... In our own profession as academics, you know, is teaching online as good as teaching in the classroom? Now, certainly I, I miss teaching in the classroom. I have done. I think, as we've already said, as Melissa said, it provides a, you know, there's something unique and special about that. But is this idea that teaching online is somehow lesser, that it doesn't require as much work. In fact... In many respects, it's far harder to do that. Let's talk about the emotional labour that goes into that, the aesthetic dimension of getting everything pitched in a way that is is, is funnelled or mediated through the technology. It's actually incredibly difficult. Now, as I say, I think that opens up great horizons, but we need as a culture and a society to recognise the and, 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 you know... Provide provide a, a sense of validation for that kind of work, and I think that's something that's very important moving forward. I think something we will see more of.
0: Very interesting. I mean, you've you've worked in the past on on the magic of Christmas. Um, yeah. And kind of exploring how that myth making goes on, um, and there's a lot of people working to make that happen in that kind of context of work, mm-hmm. and creating exactly those things you've mentioned a mm-hmm. kind of sense of kind of excitement, celebration, end of yearness, um, a whole range of 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 kind of quite subtle changes to identity, emotion, personality, whatever they are around about Christmas. So kind of that's. That's one example of where where magic can happen.
2: Absolutely, I mean, you use the term magic. There's a you know this idea of atmospheric production. I think is absolutely at the heart of what Christmas is, and we can't we certainly can't deny the economic value of that as well. You know, as well as the cultural um, and uh, you know interpersonal bonds that helped create in our culture it's incredibly important economically so there's an example of how a lot of work that might not be seen as productive in the traditional sense that increasingly takes place behind the curtain as you as you described it earlier is very very important um so yeah absolutely
1: just to add to that and go back to something Tom was saying earlier about whether we call them the creative industries or, or creative sectors, and Tom said it's important in, se- in, in, in many ways to think about them as an industry because it's about the generation of value and the work that goes into that and thinking about the work that you do on Christmas and the, the sort of labour that goes into producing magic. Um, I think not only will what we think of as work change fundamentally or has been changing fundamentally, but... Um, as in work will stop being something that happens within a dedicated period of time and in a fixed space. I think that idea is gone. But we'll we'll increasingly recognise that much of the work that people do is in what we would broadly think of as the experience economy. So to go back to the poems that you were quoting earlier, things don't matter. What will matter, particularly in the wake of COVID, and as as hopefully many of us are becoming much more aware of, of, of climate change, and the impact of accumulating things ad infinitum on the world around us, um, we will be looking to experience things and do that collaboratively and collectively rather than just accumulate stuff.
2: And just very quickly, just to follow that up, I mean, I think that raises a very important question. It's the question of how we define and understand value in our society so it's, it's about valuation and I think that so we've talked about recognition we've talked about agency but it's how we value work and what constitutes work and the products and outcomes and outputs of that work so I think I think that's something as that society we have to we have to seriously deal with, consider not only in the wake of the pandemic and and, and, and various other changes that witness around us ourselves but as a, as, a, as a fundamental question as we move forward. And
0: Tom, what's what's um, what's on the horizon for magic making for you in terms of thinking about this, this kind of this balance as you sit at home, chatting to us, performing at the thing called home, but also getting back into um, on stage, in person um, uh, events, you're going to be carrying on doing both, I imagine.
3: Absolutely, this hybrid way of working has been a huge revelation. As I said earlier on, the ability for me to connect with people around the world that, that I would, might have only performed to once um a few years ago but then they can they can access my material and they can buy my cds i'm mean, i suppose I'm, i've recorded more stuff recently that's been a push because it's easier to then sell that and, and send cds around the world or downloads um but equally um both uh, philip and melissa make a very important point about this experiential um kind of need as, as as people we want to experience things and and especially after the last couple of years experience these things with other people mm-hmm. so i still think no matter what i do and how much online work i can do there will st- people will still want a good old-fashioned knees up in person um in a in a in a crowded bar or in a theater because we like to experience things together and have that feeling um so yeah uh i think thankfully um i'm going to
0: be able to hopefully balance
3: both of those
0: very good i mean it's what makes us who we are isn't it this this common performance this common interaction um final couple of thoughts about what this all might mean for the future then um uh speculate near future or further away that that we're rethinking The nature of the thing called work, it might open up opportunities, shrink the world a bit, as Thomas said, bring people literally into our kind of living rooms, as it were. Um, uh, But also maybe dealing with some of the structural problems, the inequalities, the unfairness, the opportunities as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, uh, an ageing population. I think the future of work and consumption and experience is going to be about making memories and meaning not about accumulating things uh, uh, the, 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 the moment that we have to reflect on what work is and what it could or should be in the future is quite tight and I think a, a key issue for sociologists of work and, and academic researchers uh, and, and, and activists is thinking about how we can make work accessible, sustainable and equitable Uh, for all, including particularly in the creative industries that are so central to our society, culture and economy.
0: Fantastic. And fun, too, perhaps.
1: Yes.
2: Yes, I, I, think, I think that's absolutely right. Um, at the same time, we, we haven't, and I go back to this word you used earlier, we haven't to lose sight of our agency in these issues. You know, we, there was a time when the internet and social media was going to be as a great global, like, a positively globalising force. We've some, seen some of the downsides of that. And I think it's vitally important that as sociologists of work, our people who are involved in, in, the, in, in the setting of agendas here, think about the positive, negative aspects of this as well and make sure that we that, that the technology is something that we utilise and it doesn't become something that dominates us and I know this is a cliche but that we see this as a, a balancing process whereby we, we use it in order to extend those opportunities as you say for sustainability and equality in the workplace
0: Well, thank you very much indeed uh, We've been hearing about the experience economy within the performance sector or industry um, uh, from Tom Carradine from Melissa Tyler from Phil Hancock Uh, Very many thanks
1: to you all. Thank you. Thank you.
0: That was Louder Than Words. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Have a look at the website for more information and do rate the pod if you can.